huge fucking nerd. That's right, I'm a huge fucking nerd. I like lots of books and computers, cause I am a huge fucking nerd. One of a kind shades made to order by Vaporshades.com. Vaporshades designs the outer layer of the sunglasses just like a wrap on a car. They customize your sunglasses, marbling the paint. The end result is no two pair of sunglasses are alike. Yours will be completely unique to you. Check us out at Vaporshades.com. Use promo code TUTTLE for 15% off your entire order. Get ready for your daily dose of TUTTLE. Uh, the all-time greatest uh, intern slash producer we've ever had, of course, TUTTLE. TUTTLE in Florida. From the Vapor Shades Hobo Fish Camp, it's the TUTTLE Daily Podcast. No wonder nobody likes you, TUTTLE. Everything's a goddamn debate. Welcome to another edition of the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hope you guys are having a great day so far. I apologize for taking yesterday off. Uh, You know, I was doing the show every single day for about four or five months there. And I just, as of recent, I started taking Saturdays off. So I hope that is okay with you guys. Got a lot of things I want to talk about today. Uh, Coming up in the next segment, I got an interview with a guy that wrote a book about George W. Bush. And the reason I wanted to talk to him was because right now everybody's saying, at one time everybody was saying George W. Bush was the worst president of all time. And I wanted to have him on because now removed from it, George W. Bush does not seem that bad at all. I know he weapons of mass destruction, going to war, all of that stuff. A lot of people want to blame 9-11 on him as well, too. But I just don't see it. The guy was not in there long enough, in my opinion. But before I get into anything else, make sure you check out my website, Tuttle.net. That's Tuttle with two Ds, T-U-D-D-L-E.net. There's a couple of ways you can get a hold of me. You can email me, Tuttle at gmail.com, or you can leave me a voicemail, 407-270-3044. Once again, that is 407-270-3044. With this pandemic, I think we've all had to take up new hobbies, things that maybe didn't bring us around large crowds. And something that I've really, really gotten interested into, and and it's all because of TikTok, uh, I've been watching astrophotography. And if you don't know what that is, it's it's taking pictures of the stars. And I was reading an article uh, because I've talked about light pollution on this show before. And I don't think people really, really realize it, that there is just so much more to see, but we're so polluted with light. And the reason I bring this up, I found this cool spot because here in the state of Florida, the, there's a place called Dark Sky Project. I think that's the name of their website, but they rate places and there's not many places. There's actually only one or two in the state of Florida where you can go there and see what the sky actually looks like without any light pollution. When you go there, they make you they make you come in before it gets dark so nobody is using headlights. Uh, you can't use any flashlights. The only lights you can use are the lights you put on your head, and they got to be red light. They can't be a white light. And uh, you wouldn't believe some of the pictures that, that people are getting out of there just off of your goddamn iPhone. And even if I don't get a good pick, just to be able to see what the night sky actually looks like. Uh, <laughs> I was reading a funny story. Back in 1994 in Los Angeles, they had an earthquake. 
and it knocked out power to the whole entire city. And you, the funny thing is, is that people were actually calling 911 because they could see the Milky Way galaxy in the sky. They did not know what they were seeing. They didn't know if they were getting invaded, uh, if it was an alien invasion. But yeah, people were calling 911 because they saw this white, silvery, milky cloud up in the sky, and they thought, oh, what is this? It's got to be aliens, because I've never seen this in my life. No. I mean, it's there. It's just that we are burning so much light in all these cities, and even being far away from it, it's still, because a lot of people don't realize this, is that when that light hits the atmosphere in the sky, it kind of just separates. It goes all over the place, and it spreads. But this place down there, it's in Okeechobee, and I am so wanting to make a road trip down there. But I would like to hear from you because I would like to try it out. I want to get a little bit of practice taking pictures of the night sky. And I'm getting a lot better at it. They said that you got to lower, you got to open up the aperture on your lens. You got to let more light in. You got to, the shutter speed needs to be a little bit slower. Because if, you, if you've ever taken a picture of the moon with a cell phone, it always comes out bad because what it is is that the moon is so bright and it's on a background and it confuses your camera. So if there's so many of these apps. I, I downloaded the uh, StarCap app. I know, I didn't mean to rhyme there. I didn't mean to drop some bars on you with that one. Nightcap app. Uh, it, it's a, There's a lot of great pictures. They make it very, very easy for you to be able to take pictures. And I've been... Kind of fooling around with that. Yeah, guys, I know that it's nerdy. I know that it's nerdy because, but I mean, isn't it kind of expected? I mean, I grew up so close to Kennedy Space Center, the Space Center, uh, the heart besides Houston. Uh, you got Houston, Cape Canaveral, and then California. But I definitely want to go check that out. I know that it sounds nerdy as hell, but just look at some of the pictures to see what the Milky Way actually looks like. I, I don't think there's a lot of people here in the state of Florida that can say that they've seen the Milky Way galaxy with their naked eye. And and it's kind of sad. It, it really is sad. The last time that I was able to see stars was the last hurricane that came through. It might have been Matthew. Uh, when we were out of power, man, you could see stars that you had never seen before because all of the power was out for like a week and a half. So what I'm trying to say is I think why Why do we even turn on all those lights at night? I know that they were trying to do this like green thing for global warming uh, one time in Orlando and they shut off all the lights in downtown Orlando. And I just never understood like why are those lights even on in buildings when nobody's in there? I thought these guys are all supposed to be like businessmen. I thought they were greedy. I thought they wanted to make as much profit as they could. So why are we polluting our cities, our environment, our neighborhoods, just because you want to keep the lights on all night. It just doesn't make sense. And I do believe it is pollution. It, it really is pollution because pollution ruins our environment every single day. And I don't want you to think I'm one of those liberals. Yes, I mean, I do care about the environment, but I also understand, like, we can do everything in the world here in the United States, and it's not going to make up for the damage that China and India do on a daily basis. So, uh, it's like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, but it is pollution because it's robbing us. You know, back to that story in 94, those those people in L.A. called 
called 911 because they were freaking out because they had never seen the Milky Way before and they were confused. I mean, they were almost like a bunch of like Neanderthal men that were freaked out the first time they saw the sun or the first time they saw Halley's Comet and they started praying to it like it was a goddamn god or something. So, yeah, it is pollution. And I'm sorry, guys, I just wanted to talk about this because right now we all need that little bit of a release. And I'm definitely, and this is not an advertisement, but I, I'm definitely going to check out that place in Okeechobee, the uh, Kissimmee State Park that they have down there. That is a certified dark sky area. Uh, so check it out. It's very easy to find. It's only about two hours, two and a half hours from where I live at, and I'm definitely going to make a trip down there. I don't want any of you guys to think that I'm big into reality TV. It's kind of weird because when I first started in radio, well, not exactly when I first started, but when I got on the Monsters was the beginning of the reality TV fad or phase, or whatever you want to call it, with, with Survivor. Survivor was that first big reality TV show. Well, I mean, Real World was out there as well, too. But I, I'm talking about being on network TV. I remember we did that. We did this big thing where we put some of our monster listeners out by a lake. They had to build a, a little, like, hut or someplace to be able to hide, you know, like, build build shelter. And then we we had one of our listeners, very, very redneck radio, very morning zooish. <laughs> the guy brought a uh, his airboat onto the lake, and he backed the airboat up right next to the, the little uh, shelter they built and and just, like, turned it on full blast and blew it away because we wanted to see how well they built their shelter and see if it could with, uh, withstand hurricane force winds. But after that, it was like Katie bar the door, man, because everybody was doing reality TV show. And some of the stuff was absolutely horrible uh, and, and fake, by the way. But like, for example, I'll give you one of uh, Wife Swap. Wife Swap was at first it was like, oh, man, you, did you see Wife Swap? We got to watch Wife Swap. And then after a while, you could tell this stuff that started to get really, really staged or set up. But I came across this one show. I guess it's on TLC or Discovery. Uh, a thousand pound sisters. Oh, my God. Now, if you you want to feel better about your life, like I know a lot of people are going through hard times and I know that people should not do this. Just looking at other people struggling or going through hard times just to make yourself feel better, it's only a temporary fix. Because once you get back into your own life and you stop watching the Thousand Pound Sisters argue about how many Diet Cokes they have a day, yeah, uh, that's going to go away. But in the meantime, it is making you feel better. It's like Crack Rock. Uh, it's a great, great high. But it doesn't last very long, and then you keep going back and back and back, and and the same amount that you used to take isn't making you feel better anymore about yourself because you're like, oh, what if I'm just watching Thousand Pound Scissors is because this is who I am. I am a complete mess like these two fat sisters are. Do you drink water? During no. The day? No water at all? Okay. All right. And then what are you drinking during the day? Sodies. Sodies. Sody pops. Okay. <laughs> and how much do you think you drink a day? Oh, 
And I'm not trying to get all preachy with you, but since I've made changes, I stopped drinking, got off all the psychotropic meds, I've been drinking a lot of water because the more and more that I read about it is that your body needs a certain amount of water a day to function properly. You know, you might not think that, oh, I'm not dehydrated, but your body is having to work so much harder. Uh, think about it. Your circulatory system uh, to your kidneys and everything, that, that is all built on like a pressurized system. And it needs that water to be able to work properly. And we just don't do it. And it's, it's also a very natural diuretic. You know, when you're feeling hungry and you feel like, oh, man, I got to eat. I got to get something in my stomach. No, just drink some water. It'll make you feel full. Yes, you're not getting energy or calories. Well, you're kind of getting energy, but it's good. Your body just burns calories better when you drink water. Now, I know a lot of people, they, they, uh, they oh, well, you know, I'm drinking diet soda. Diet soda is fine for me. I mean, yeah, you're not getting the, the same amount like you would be if you were drinking sugar drinks, but that stuff is still artificial sugar. Your body still thinks it's sugar, and it's still it, turning that into calories and stuff. So it's like you, it, it defeats the purpose. It, it, it just tricks your mind. Oh, I'm drinking this diet soda, so I'm being healthy. And you're not, oh, and also a lot of people, well, I'm getting my water from my diet, uh, my diet sodies. 8 to 12 a day. 8 to 12 cans? Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's regular soda? No, it's diet. It's diet. Okay. Our mom told us when we were younger, if we ate a sugar, you drink a diet coke afterwards and it'll cancel out the sugar. I shouldn't have to tell you, but these two women are white, but they sound like they should be extras in the movie Deliverance with that one kid out there, the one that looks uh, deformed and should be an extra. That's an extra on an extra. Should be an extra in the movie Hills Have Eyes. Uh, playing that little banjo out front. But yeah, these these two women are big white girls. Now, uh, a lot of people want to talk about, oh, uh, the coronavirus is, is killing more minorities. And I don't, I don't think it is a racial issue. I think that our diets are so horrible here in the United States of America that it's more of a class uh, thing than it is when it goes to race. Uh, you know, this coronavirus kills people that are obese, unhealthy. People that have underlying health conditions, that is why we are leading any country in the whole world when it comes to coronavirus deaths. Because this, these two women think that, oh, if I eat something sugary and then I drink a Diet Coke, it cancels each other out. QQ. No, it, that's, that's not how it works. How is this not childhood trauma? How is this any different than a father beating the shit out of his kid every single day? Or, and, Look, I mean, the worst thing you could do is be sexually molested uh, by a pedophile or somebody that's a predator. I'm not even going to try to make that comparison. But what I'm saying, though, is that you're setting your kid up because what childhood trauma does is that it, it, it alters your brain. It alters the way you look at things. It, it alters the way you react to things because of the trauma you've been through. This is nothing but long-form child abuse because now you have set your two daughters up for just failure in the future because of poor diet. Poor diet habit habits are ruining this family's life. These women are having so many health issues because their mom told them, hey, you eat a, you, wait, you just ate a Twix bar? 
Oh, just go drink a diet soda and it cancels each other out. Pew, 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 pew. Okay. Um, do you believe it to be true? No. I did when I was a kid. <laughs> sure, okay. No one should be drinking eight to ten sodas a day. Just because it's a liquid doesn't mean it's hydrating you or good for you. There's a lot of other substances in those diet sodas that do dehydrate you and absolutely contribute to a poor overall diet and health. It may dehydrate you, but these two sisters are definitely holding a lot of water weight. We're just gonna maybe make a deal to wean it out. Does that sound fair? All right, so you can have one can a day. All right, hold up. Now, I've never had a problem with soda, and a lot of people are like, oh, well, diet soda, it's not a drug, it's not a hard drug, but you should have seen the reaction of these two big sisters when she heard that she was only gonna get one Diet Coke a day. That's not weaning, that's, that's cold turkey with a little Diet Coke kicker just to like soothe your withdrawal things. Oh, that is not, that's not weaning. I mean, listen, crackheads would even have a problem with like, oh man, bitch, that's cold, man. That is cold. He's a nerd. I've only been arrested one time. A radio personality. Professionally, I'm not in the best position that I've ever been in. And hot talk satirizer. You would think with everything that's going on, a Caucasian like myself wouldn't be able to randomly talk to an African-American or a minority. You're listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Wish you could have just flown and had your vehicle arrive a day or two later so you can enjoy more time doing what's important to you? Well, you can. Just give Starfire Transport a call. Let the professionals do the driving while you're flying. Starfire Transport specializes in RV and auto transport. They'll also haul watercraft from boats to PWCs, cargo trailers, and more. Service available throughout the continental United States. So don't wait. Call Brian today at 574-349-4193 or 989-751-6106 for your next move. 10% off for veterans past or present. Also, make sure to tell them Tuttle sent you for an additional discount. That's Starfire Transport. Welcome back to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. On the line with me right now, this is actually an interview that I am really, really excited for. On the line with me right now is author Stephen Markoff. Uh, Stephen, how are you? I'm doing fine, given the uh, lockdown and all the issues around us. Well, what what uh, part of the area are you in? I live in Los Angeles, where we okay. Uh, Oh, you're in like the worst area here in the United States, then, man. I, I was reading somewhere like one in every three people now in that area have it. L.A. County, maybe. L.A. County is a mess. That's correct. Yeah. Um. So, Stephen, tell people my audience because you know I I I see I've worked in radio a really really long time, and I know a, a lot of the hosts they like to go into interviews. They like to give the the big buildup and promote anything, but I like to take things in a different way because who better to promote what you're wanting to talk about than the person himself. So Steven, tell me about your book because I am very fascinated. I'm a big fan of history and, and the presidents have always intrigued me. Well, let me uh, start where this all began um, pretty quick. In uh, 2007, Richard A. Clark, who is the counterterrorism czar under three Yeah. Presidents. Oh, I know. I, I've heard that name before. Uh, he's well-known, well-respected, non-political. Uh, he wrote a book called Against All Enemies. 
a kind of a wonderful book that laid out what he saw in the George W. Bush administration in a way that I hadn't read before. He, he didn't try to put any spin on it. It was straightforward. He had seen these events and had participated in them himself. Mm-hmm. And I read the book and I thought, my goodness, if, if one man knows this much, what would a whole group of men know? Because obviously... Yeah. One man is, you know, sleeping six to eight hours a day, and so he has limited time to absorb information and can't be everywhere. Mm-hmm. So within about a year of that, I put together a team of management editor and three to four people over a period of time, and we built a data free relational database called 911plus.org. It's still there. Mm-hmm. And viewers can just hit 911plus.org. And they'll see a little over 7,500 sourced comments regarding the uh, issues that I have with the uh, George W. Bush presidency. Uh-huh. And, and what's the name of your book if people want to check it out and how can they find it? The name of the book is The Case Against George W. Bush. It's available on Amazon and where most mm-hmm. booksellers are. Now, Stephen, I, I am with you, okay? now. You know, I've been talking a lot about time, you know, like when you look back on the past, you're like, oh, it wasn't as bad as we thought it was. Um, George W. Bush in the present time, I was not a big fan of his. I, I really, really was not a big fan of his. Uh, it was a very dark time in our country here in the United States, especially with everything that happened on 9-11. Uh, let's 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 take it from there. Let's let's start at 9-11. OK, um, how long was George W. Bush the president before September 11th happened? Well, I don't know if this is polite or not, but I think you're starting at 9-11. This is the biggest piece of the puzzle that, that most people don't know about and certainly don't realize. OK. 9-11 was really the end game of what I consider criminal negligence. And if you don't mind, I'll go through some rough stats. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Back in 1994 and 1995, we had intel about terrorists planning to use planes as weapons. Okay, now, 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 all right. So I, I have a couple of questions. So you, you said this was in 1994. Now, was it 1993 when they had the original uh, Twin Towers bombings in the garage, or was that 94, same year? Um, I forgot. I think it was 93. Uh, that's what, that's the number that stands out in my head. Well, they, they had the original of the, uh, I'm kind of trying to think of the address. Um, I don't remember the address. You may well be right. Yeah, no, but 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 the reason I bring that up now, so where where did this intelligence come from? Was it from the CIA, the Pentagon, uh, FBI? Like where where did this intelligence come from? It came from reliable sources that I've quoted in the book, chapter and verse. So mm-hmm. I'm happy to go through the book. But probably nobody wants to do that. But no, I, I mean, I, I don't want I, I, I want people to buy your book. So just, you know, kind of give me, you know, like we don't I don't, I don't want to go too into depth because I, I want to tell people to be able to go read your book and find out. But just give me like the cliff notes of 
you know, like, where did this intelligence come from? How did they come uh, about it? I don't know how they came about it, but this was intel that was given to our government. Mm-hmm. Do they know from who? I don't know. Uh, I have in the book, but again, I have to go look it up. Yeah. To me, that wasn't so important because the information came from various directions. It wasn't mm-hmm. somebody on a street corner with dark glasses, you know, whispering in somebody's ear. These were um, competent, well thought of people uh, that were in government um, or were speaking directly to people in government. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the, 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 the reason the reason I'm asking, because like like I said, I was not the biggest fan of George W. Bush. And maybe it's because now what we're going through right now with our president um, now, what we're going through in present day, I'm like, God, can we please have George W. Bush back or or is that wrong of me to say? Well, I think it's not an easy question, but the answer is I don't think you want George W. Bush back. Here, here's the issue for a lot of people. Okay, a, a lot of people think that those that are against George W. Bush like me and i wrote a book believing he created uh oh and and sir and and steven i i'm not judging you like i i'm the type of host i i'm just asking questions of the other side you know and and that's that's what i'm trying to do i i don't want you to think i'm defending george w bush at at all i'm just telling you what a lot of people are thinking right now right that didn't come through but but let me let me try to clarify what i think the issues are at least for me Number one, you have George W. Bush as a human being, mm. as a parent, as a son. He's uh, a guy that you want to have a beer with, in my opinion, personally. I'm not talking about him as the president or a politician, but if he was just a guy, like I, I think I'd want to have a beer with him. I agree with you completely. He's the guy that I wouldn't mind having a beer with if in a totally social situation. However, my look at him has nothing to do with him personally. I have mm-hmm. no dislike of him or, frankly, anybody else. I'm mm-hmm. looking at three events that he created and he's responsible for that had disastrous consequences. For and what country. are those three events? Uh, of course, 9-11. Well, leading up to 9-11 is really the most important part. I got a little bit off track. Yeah, Can sorry about that. And, and throw some dates in there. Okay, so 1994 and 5, we knew about uh, terrorists using uh, weapons. Um, I didn't go back in the book far enough. It might have been 1993. You may be right, but I'm not, I just don't remember. In 1996, Osama bin Laden declared war against the United States. Two years later, in 1998, Al-Qaeda bombarded our embassies in Kenya and Tanzania, killing a little over, I think it was 12 Americans and 200 other people. Was the, was the, was the attack on the ship before 9-11 or was that after? I think that might have been the coal or was that, was that before or after? I, 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 I can't remember. You're four paragraphs away. It was 2000. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, no problem. Uh, in, uh, a year later, in uh, August of 1999, DBS announced that Osama bin Laden had the resources to strike the United States of America. Mm-hmm. A little later in the year, in December of that year, 1999, President Clinton put a $5 million bounty on Osama bin Laden, the Ooh. highest bounty ever, naming that's him. A, that's a big payday. Enemy. Yes, good payday. Naming him public enemy number one. In uh, January 2000, Richard Clark 
under Clinton, held a high-level counterterrorism meeting about the possibility of airline hijacking by al-Qaeda. On October 12, 2000, al-Qaeda bombed our ship, the USS Cole that you mentioned, yeah. killing 17 sailors. Wow. And on November 7, 2000, George W. Bush was elected president. So here's, here's really uh, an important question. Mm-hmm. If you were elected president on November 7th, having that background, what would you do to protect our country? Okay. Now, now, and, and, and I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree with you a hundred percent. And like I said, I, I don't want you to think that I'm, I am defending George W. Bush, but how much of this like falls on to George W. Bush because he's the president. He can only depend on what the people under him bring him to be able to read. Now, do we know that these actual events, these files, I mean, these were all public events, like you said, but at, at sometimes do you feel like a president maybe isn't getting 100% of the info? Well, if, if he isn't getting this kind of info, there's two possibilities. Either the people around him are incompetent or two, he doesn't want to hear it. But let me continue just a teeny bit in my story. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's elected. And in December of 2001, right after the new year and you know, three weeks before he's become president, he, he and his top staff have very specific meetings with a high level people at the Clinton administration in a turnover of which Richard Clark is one. Clinton tells Bush specifically, this is all documented, that the biggest terrorist problem you're going to face is going to be Al-Qaeda and bin Laden. At three levels of his cabinet, those discussions were had before George Bush became president. On Mm -hmm. top of that, George Tennant, who was with Clinton, went along with George W. Bush's new administration. So it is improbable. Well, okay, but no, no, no. I mean, I, I, I get, I get what you're saying, but like sometimes so like, I mean, I'm not saying anything bad about George W. Bush, but I mean, the guy was not the smartest president that we've ever had in, 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 in my lifetime, in my opinion, could he have just been because I think the person that everybody needs to look at is Dick Cheney. How much does Dick Cheney come into play with all of this? I think very little. I think Dick Cheney. Really? Everybody thought Dick Cheney yeah. was the guy was the guy that was the puppeteer. We've gone through 130 published books. We've gone through websites of Bush administration. We've gone through government reports. And I don't believe that's true. I believe that that Cheney was a, a, a big force for oil, for the Iraqi oil, for Mid-Eastern oil, which- And I he had thought. something to do with the war though then, right? I mean, was this, you know, a lot of these people now, okay, so let me, let me ask you this. I, I don't, I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy, but I mean, you know, a lot of people all say that 9-11 was an inside job just to be able to go to uh, Iraq, to be able to go to war and take that oil. Is, is that a possibility? Is there anything in your research that, that you have seen that would lead you to believe that? Well, anything is possible, but I've seen absolutely nothing. We chased that story 
We also chased the story that the, uh, the buildings were made out of insufficient steel, so they would collapse. Mm-hmm. We also looked at the story that somebody that hijacked an airplane couldn't fly it uh, that accurately into the buildings, and, and they're all, uh, they're, there's no data behind them. They are, in my view, all these conspiracy theories. Yeah. Just got things wrong. There's mm-hmm. no data behind any of it. Stephen, was this the first case? Because I, I mean, I'm really, really good at history, but I, I mean, I also don't want to state it as fact. But was this the first case of an uh, commercial airliner being hijacked and flown into buildings? I, I mean, I've never in my life before September 11th ever heard of that, and I don't think I've heard of it after. Well, there was discussion before 9/11 happened of that happening. That's in the book. Uh, I don't know of any specific incident, but then I really didn't look at, at other presidents or other times or other countries. This mm-hmm. is fairly focused because we have a lot of data, um, but it, I believe it would have come up if it would have happened before because mm-hmm. writers and historians always like to say, oh, and this happened in 1948 or, set yeah. or whatever the date was. So I don't know of any, and I would doubt it, but it's possible. Stephen, so let's let's move on to the um, the second Gulf War conflict. Um, what? How is George W. Bush responsible for that? Well, it skips over a chapter on torture, which we can either hit or not. Today. No, no, no. I mean, I want to get to torture. It's just I'm uh, I I. <clears throat> I just don't want to go completely too long because I, I mean, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying this and stuff and I'm not, I'm not trying to rush you. All right, let's go to the torture thing. Cause I wanted to go to Iraq first because I thought the torture would have came after that because wasn't the torture after Iraq uh, people that we had captured there, or was that during when we were trying to find people before we even went to Iraq? It was right after nine 11. Okay. Uh, so when the torture started, now, is this an Abu Ghraib uh, or down in Cuba or whatever or it, when we're talking about torture? Well, it happened in Abu, uh, Abu Ghraib. It happened mm-hmm. in uh, uh, Iraq later, when it went in, in a couple of years later in 2003. And it also mm-hmm. happened in many other countries. Uh, the mm-hmm. Bush administration started something that they called enhanced or harsh interrogation mm-hmm. or rendition. We're or talking waterboarding, right? Well, that's waterboarding is the softest part of it, frankly. What, now, uh, so so it actually gets worse. I mean, I I saw the pictures and all that stuff. They they made them do like pose and be naked on top of you know that type. But like, I mean, how severe? What what type of torture are we talking about? Well, let me tell you what the one of their attorneys wrote a memo on and said. Arguably, the following is legal. This is for America. This is for George W. Bush and his administration. Mm-hmm gouging a prisoner's eye out, dousing prisoners with scalding water or corrosive mm. acid, putting an ear, nose, or lip, and waterboarding. Now, it, it may not sound so bad in the abstract, but the whole reason for protecting soldiers in war is that once they are caught, they're entitled to very specific international rules. Yeah, because we don't want our troops being tortured. That's exactly right. That is why the U.S. government went into the Geneva Conventions originally that started, I think, in 1864, is we, we agreed we won't torture your prisoners and you won't torture our prisoners. So this was a real change, uh, in my view, uh, my biased view, a pretty ugly change for our country. 
did they ever did they ever get any reliable information that you know of from torture? Because, you know, I, I've I've read a bunch of stories. I've read books. And, you know, when you're torturing somebody, they're going to tell you whatever they want to tell you to get you to stop because they are in so much pain. They'll lie. They will lie right through their teeth. Like, was there any reliable information that we ever got as a U.S. government because of torture? I, either uh, it might have been uh, Cheney or Condoleezza Rice, I don't remember in the book, but but one of them said, yes, we got some information, but no data. And then the CIA did a post report and they came to the conclusion, which was similar to those of experts in the field. And they say torture isn't a way to get information because it does exactly what you just said. Under torture, people will say anything. And then they think, oh, we have some really good information to go off on a, a wild goose chase. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to the war here. Now, <clears throat> originally, when after 9-11, uh, you know, do you, do you remember George W. Bush? I still remember it pretty, pretty well when he gave that speech in front of Congress. Uh, everybody was gung ho, you know, uh, you know, usually when you see the president speaking on the, uh, in the chamber. Uh, it's either, you know, if it's a Republican president, it'll be Republicans standing up and cheering. If it's a Democratic president, they'll stand up and cheer. But I remember from that speech, everybody, everybody, both sides, everybody was just cheering. They thought, yes, go, let's go USA. And originally it was supposed to be going after, you know, Afghanistan in that area. What led to the Iraq war was weapons of mass destruction, just something the media ran with. Or was that made up by the Bush campaign? We looked at the 347 speeches that George W. Bush gave from his inauguration up to 9-11. And what we found is that George Bush mentioned Saddam Hussein, Iraq, weapons of mass destruction, nuclear weapons, weapons of terror, Saddam and eminent or immediate threats 143 times. During those 347 speeches, he mentioned oil 41 times. Mm -hmm. During those 347 speech, uh, speeches, he never mentioned Al-Qaeda or bin Laden. Zero. Mm -hmm. so, now, now let, me, let, me, let me ask you this. So, okay, so as an American, I mean, if we're going for oil, did any of that money, any of that oil we got, where, okay, so if we went there for oil, where did that money from the oil go to? Did it go back into the United States or did it go into the pockets of private citizens? Well, in my view, uh, I didn't follow it because I thought it was just irrelevant. I mean, if mm -hmm. you're going to send your daughter or son into war and you're telling them on one hand you're going to war because the other side has weapons of mass destruction, they're an eminent threat to the United States, I as a father would say to my, my, my children, well, okay, uh, you can serve your country, you may die, but we're protecting our country. We have no choice. No. But the, yeah. but the reason the reason I asked that, though, like, I, I still don't think it's a good reason is what I'm saying. But what I'm saying, though, is that did did George W. Bush send troops to die to line his pockets and 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 the friends of his pocket? I have a lot of information in the book about oil, and it seems right after he was elected, they started mapping out the Iraqi oil fields. Remember, this is. Mm -hmm. 2001. This is January of 2001, and all through, they're talking about oil. And my how much? 
Go. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah. The other reason I didn't follow it is if George W. Bush would have come out to Congress and the American people and said, "We really need your oil, or else prices will go up and you won't be able to afford mm-hmm. your car," we're, we're going to go and attack them. Well, you know, that would have been okay, but he never would have gotten permission to attack them, and nobody would have sacrificed their, no. their children for a barrel of oil. See, and, and that's the thing about it. And and I don't want anybody to think that I'm talking bad about the military, not at all, because they were just following orders. You know, when the commander in chief tells you to go somewhere, I mean, you you can't you can't say, no, I, I don't I don't think it's a good thing to go there. Now, how much and this is something that a lot of people talked about, how much how much played into uh, going to Iraq that. It was unfinished business that his father never took care of. And it's the son like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to finish the business that my father could not take care of. Well, there's there's a couple of theories on that. Um, One of the theories is exactly that, that uh, he wanted to finish his father's business. Um, His father did not go into Iraq in 1991. Uh, George and others on, on the political right thought that was a terrible mistake. They had a chance to take over the country and do it. Another one is that uh, George uh, W. thought to be the uh, the weakest of the kids was going to. Uh, I don't know. Jeb so. Jeb's pretty weak. I, I don't <laughs> know. I think Jeb might be at the bottom. Well, you might <laughs> you might be right. I haven't frankly I haven't followed it, but. And I got to tell you, George W. Bush, even though you wrote this book against him, him throwing that 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 first pitch in the World Series, I I think in my or the first game after 9-11, I forget exactly which one it was. The guy pretty, pretty much nailed it. I don't think any other politician with that much pressure on his shoulders could have thrown it right across the plate like George W. Bush did. You know, there are there are axe murderers that are nice to their neighbors. There are killers. (laughs) Treat their dogs properly. Uh, yeah. There are bank robbers that go home and you know toast their neighbors. I don't care if you. I know, Stephen. Uh, I'm I, I'm just trying to make a joke. That's all. I hope you don't I think know. I'm being serious about that yeah, at all. Yeah, but a lot of people are. You you hear people today saying, "Well, given the Trump administration, maybe yeah, this should be so bad." How how would you compare George W. Bush to what Trump has done? Well, I think a couple of important things. I think that number one, uh, I think Trump is a lot more talented than people think that he is, certainly on the left. He's a he's handled the coronavirus so horribly, though. Well, I I think both sides have. I think both sides have really. If you're just being if I'm just being honest, I really how. okay now and I'm sure this isn't in the book and this will be my final final question, because today is my producer's birthday as well, too. And and I'm trying to wrap it up here because he does all the recording. But I want to have you on again, uh, Stephen. how much how much like goes into it? Like, I know I'm not I do not trust politicians right now. Has as America in general lost faith in the political system? I think that George Bush did not challenge the political system. I think that George Bush had something in his mind. I personally believe it was oil and all the steps point to that. And everything he did was pointed towards oil. Donald Trump. On the other hand, I believe if you look at what's happened, set out to destroy the democratic system from the beginning. He convinced almost half the country that our votes were stolen, although there was no proof. 
He mm -hmm. hid the virus from the American people. We heard it in his own voice from the uh, Bob Woodward interviews. Yeah, it's just going to go did. away. It'll be gone before you know it, all that stuff. But, right. And then he laughed at people wearing masks, and we have 400,000 dead Americans. So, um, yeah, I mean, but uh, so, different so, things. I, I got to tell you, Stephen, you, I'm just giving you an idea here, though. Like, you know, everybody is hot on the Trump thing. Like, even the people that hate Trump or the people that love Trump, if you did a book comparing, like, you know, you did pros and cons comparing George W. Bush and, Don and Donald J. Trump together. I think that I think it would be I think it would be a goddamn hit, Stephen. I, I really, really do. I'm if I'm just being honest, but you're the author. So maybe I'm just talking out of my ass. Well, the problem is to to do the research right. I have about 10 years in the case against George W. Bush mm -hmm. and I'm 77. And I don't know that I would have another 10 years, frankly. Uh, certainly not with what's going on today. But you got a son. Maybe maybe you could. Oh, how great would that be? Like if you if you got a like a son or whatever, your son carries on your work, it would be like George W. Bush Jr. taking over and finishing his dad's work. I think that would be a great gimmick. It would be a great story to think about it. I mean, it, it well, would be amazing uh, to do that. I'd have to exchange sons for somebody else's. Uh, my son okay. has no interest in the political world. Uh, OK, all right. <laughs> well, I, well, I'm just making a joke, Stephen. Once again, sure. tell people how they can find the book. Uh, I I hope you enjoyed some of these questions. I, I'm sorry. You know, like I said, I don't want you to think that I'm defending George W. Bush, but I just wanted to ask some questions that were a little bit opposing, kind of playing devil's advocate a little bit. I have pretty strong skin and I appreciate uh, all the questions. They can find the book on Amazon. Again, the title is The Case Against George W. Bush. It's at Amazon and uh, all the other booksellers. It'd be pretty easy to uh, get a hold of. Hey, Stephen, do you, do you think you might be able to, you know, throw one of your favorite last interviews you ever done uh, a copy of the book so I can uh, kind of like skim through it and read it and and talk about it a little bit more? Because, like I said, I'm I'm very interested in history and and with the presidents and stuff, because what I was born in 79. So I think I might have had Carter Reagan uh george w bush senior clinton george w bush jr obama and now trump you know all the presidents that i've had in my life well, how about if i enhance the deal and tell you that the first nine people that contact you that have heard this mm -hmm. i'll ship them a free book and i'll ship you a free book okay all right well i really appreciate it Stephen, and i hope you have a, you got big plans this weekend no I'm not. no it's a pandemic kind of kills that doesn't it it kills everything. Uh, we're very concerned. I'm I'm uh, in the uh, dangerous age range, and my wife is. Uh, you have under uh, any underlying conditions, or uh, no? But a member of our family does, and my dad's 107. Had his oh whoa, birthday. your dad's 107. 107, yes. That is oh hey Stephen, like I mean. I mean, is he like I, I'm not I'm not trying to be rude. Like, I mean, is he pretty like uh, like witted right now? Like, I mean, you know, you think at 107, like, you know, somebody wouldn't be able to. Sure. Uh, he reads the paper every day. He, Are you he kidding writes, me? He, he has a blog. He, he writes by hand on the yellow pad once a week. I go down until two weeks ago when just too much risk. He hands me his hand scribbled pages. I take them. I have them transcribed. I put them up in his blog, and he's brilliant. Yeah, 
Yeah, my my producer, my producer is like hitting me in my ear right now. Um, I because I I would love like see now I your dad probably doesn't like I mean I God I would I would absolutely do anything to talk to somebody that has lived. 107 years old or, or maybe maybe you can talk to him maybe i can submit some questions to you but at 110 what what year was he born 1914 so he has he lived during the first world war yeah uh, he ran he, this is actually his second pandemic he's been through yes that's true he lost his uh brother to the first pandemic in 1918 oh Man, Stephen, like, I mean, like, I, I mean, I, you know, like it, it, I, I'm, I moved to, I, I went away from radio to do this podcast so I can take care of my parents and they're in their seventies and they both have underlying health conditions, but like, I mean, it sucks to see your parents get old, but like your dad at 107, like how, how, how does that feel like to you as a son, like to still have your dad around at 107? Well, frankly, it's a little scary to me. Because I don't think I'm going to make it for another 30 years. Do you, do, you, do you think that generation, they, they just lived harder, that they were just tough and, and, and just built for life in general? I, I don't know. I, I've always wondered that type of things. I, I don't think so. I think Dad uh, smoked when he was a uh, youngster into his, I guess, 40 used to smoke a pipe. But he's, mm-hmm. nobody in our family really drinks. I think it's really a gene selection, and he's never yeah. done anything stupid. Most of his friends that he grew up with, not most, they're all dead, uh, which which is a, a real problem for an older person. Your parents yeah. might have the same problems. Yeah. You know, you're mm-hmm. friends with somebody for 50 years, and, and then they're gone. And that's yeah. a, a lonely problem, which is a, a real yeah, issue. Yeah, because... Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, Stephen, I, I could sit here and talk to you forever. Uh, I'll have my producer reach out to you, but I, I really, really appreciate this and enjoyed this interview. Oh, I appreciate it. Too. This is terrific. Thank all right, Stephen. Uh, hey, inviting me. All right, man. Have a wonderful weekend and, and I'll be talking to you soon. From the Vapor Shades Hobo Fish Camp. Man, maybe I would have way more sex partners in my life if I just threw caution to the wind. It's the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Tuttle's Daily Podcast is brought to you by StitchYouUp.com. For your embroidery, screen printing, vinyl, and direct-to-garment printing needs, visit StitchYouUp.com. StitchYouUp specializes in custom caps, shirts, decals, and anything you want to personalize. Whether it's one item or large orders, they can handle any size. Unsure about what you want? Let Stitch You Up help you with your logo design. Visit stitchyouup.com or contact them, eric at stitchyouup.com. Stitch You Up, definitely not your grandma's embroidery. All right, guys, final segment of today's show. I want to thank everybody that tuned in. Hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, I know a lot of you guys don't like me talking about politics. Politics really alienates your, your audience. But I thought it I, I, I thought it was kind of fitting to be able to have this guy on to talk about George W. Bush, because back in the day, we all swore up and down. It can't get any worse than George W. Bush. And guess what? It did. It got way worse. We're on the brink of what. Uh, by the way, God, man, you know how weird and surreal it is to go on Twitter and see that civil war is trending on a daily basis now. 
And I know, like, a lot of guys are talking mad cash shit right now on this. None of you guys want that. You do not want a civil war. 620,000 people died. Deadliest American conflict of all time, 620,000. Now, they killed 620,000 people with muskets. Guns that they had to consistently reload every time they shot it. And bayonets. And cannons. And explosives. But what I'm trying to say is, if they were able to kill 620,000 people back in the 1800s, what do you think is going to happen? Do you realize how quickly the death toll would rise? And I'm saying on both sides. I think one side would have more of an advantage than the other. But what I'm trying to say is that, oh, the death toll with, with automatic guns, semi-automatic guns, hell, just a pistol back in the day. If you would have had a 9 milli back in the day, you would have just been murking fools on, on the battlefield of Gettysburg. So what I'm trying to say is, we don't want that, people. We don't want that at all. Just chill the fuck out. Take a Xanax bar. Do whatever you need to do. And just relax. I got a couple of interviews coming up later today. Got some great shows on the way this coming week. I want to thank everybody that has supported me. Uh, all the people that are telling their friends, family, loved ones about the show. That's the only reason this whole bitch is growing, people. And I want to thank you. Hope you guys have a great day. Hope you're safe. And I will talk to you tomorrow. And that's the show for today. Thanks for listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hey, don't be a dickhead. Do us a favor. Like, share, and subscribe to the show. Also, check out the Tuttle category at 315live.com. The Tuttle Daily Podcast is brought to you by the Vapor Shades Hobo Fish Camp. You want some cool-ass sunglasses? Check out VaporShades.com. Also brought to you by Starfire Transport, StitchYouUp.com, PocketPairClub.com. Special thanks to show intern Hannah and Charlie Lamo for their contributions. Additional imaging and production is provided by CCA Productions, Facebook.com slash CCA Productions Presents. Show voiceover service is brought to you by JCVoiceOver.com. That guy's got a damn sexy voice. You should hire him. Check out jcvoiceover.com. If you want to help support the show, go to paypal.me slash radio. Comments? Concerns? Or do you just want to let Tuttle know he's being a dickhead? Tuttle at gmail.com. That's Tuttle with two Ds at gmail.com. Leave a voicemail at 407-270-3044. To follow all of Tuttle's social media, go to Tuttle.net. Thanks again for all your support, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Tuttle Daily Podcast.